Welcome to Taiwan Brief Insights into Issues Impacting Taiwan. I'm your host, Donovan Smith in Taichung, Taiwan. All right, this show is loosely based on a piece I wrote for Taiwan News called Towards a Truly Terrifying Taiwan Territorial Defense Force. Now, the horrors unfolding in Ukraine have focused attention on how to defend Taiwan, both from an international perspective and a domestic one. Now, heroic scenes of everyday Ukrainians doing their part to defend their homes, cities, and nation against the Russian military machine have captured the public's imagination. Inspired by their example, there's been a surge in the number of Taiwanese willing to fight. A broad consensus has formed that the military conscription period needs to be increased well beyond the current four months to one year or more, and a majority support including women. Now, the Defense Ministry has just come out and said that they're going to make a decision on this by year's end, and it seems to be that the consensus is growing around a one-year military conscription period. So let's see how that turns out. Now, that wouldn't be implemented, it looks like, until 2024. Now, the Chinese Communist Party-led regime in Beijing is one of the most brutal and murderous in history. So we should be under no illusions that Chairman Xi Jinping and the People's Liberation Army are unwilling or incapable of unleashing their horrors on Taiwan. However, the priority of Xi Jinping and the CCP is, first and foremost, to remain in power. Now, that means that Xi's designs on Taiwan can potentially be deterred. Now, asymmetric warfare capabilities, or porcupining Taiwan, can make Taiwan extremely costly in blood and treasure to take, and a, well de a determined, well-trained, and well-armed resistance can make the country almost impossible to digest causing PLA casualties to further spiral out of control. So think about it this way. They have to get all the way across the strait, getting boats and planes blasted to pieces on their way over here, and then once they get here, if there is that well-trained resistance and it's armed and ready to go, it's going to cause a massive hit to the Chinese economy and the body bags are going to mount. And the CCP and their domestic control very likely are going to come under serious strain. Now, of course, this deterrence factor assumes that she is thinking rationally. But of course, the longer he is in power, the less certain we can be sure that this is actually the case. What we can be fairly certain of, however, is that she remains intently focused on retaining power and that the Russian example in Ukraine has almost certainly caught his attention, no matter what sycophants around him may be telling him. Now, this has led to a sharp increase in focus here in Taiwan on the role of the reserve forces and how to bolster their abilities and preparedness going forward. Now, surely this is what the civilian resistance should be organized around, right? Well, not so says retired admiral and former chief of general staff of the Republic of Char China Armed Forces, Li Ximing. In a thought-provoking piece in War on the Rocks, Li and scholar uh, Michael A. Honecker 
lay out the case for Taiwan to create a separate territorial defense force as the Ukrainians have done. Now, they make the case that it can't be done within the current reserve structure. Here's what they say. In a perfect world, it would make sense to incorporate territorial defense into the Ministry of National Defense's ongoing reserve reforms. Unfortunately, because the ministry has already decided to remake Taiwan's reserve force in the image of America's so-called operational reserve, that approach is no longer viable. We therefore instead suggest creating a permanent territorial defense force that will operate as a standalone service under the aegis of the Ministry of National Defense. This force should have an equivalent status to the Army, Navy, and Air Force, along with an equivalently ranked commanding general. So, in summary, the authors propose an all-volunteer force of young men and women trained and prepared to defend the locales they live in. They suggest, quote, each unit should be built around a cadre of current and former Special Operations Forces personnel in order to, quote, increase the odds that territorial defense volunteers will receive meaningful, rigorous, and realistic military training. So they will ultimately be, quote, ready to conduct independent small unit operations on the battlefield. They also go on to say that they should not be wasting a lot of time on marching and polishing buttons and all those sorts of things that top military personnel often spend a lot of time on. Now, the article lays out the types of arms that they would have access to and be trained on, many of which are those being used so effectively in Ukraine. And they go on to add, quote, At the first sign of invasion, territorial defense troops should report to their assigned muster stations, collect their gear, and go home. Now, that gets around the arms control laws here in Taiwan. Now, it goes on to underscore that these individuals aren't regular soldiers or suited for the front lines. As they put it, quote, As the invasion unfolds, territorial defense units should allow the attackers leading assault units to pass before conducting mobile hit-and-run missions to wreak havoc on logistic convoys, supply depots, command posts, and early follow-on forces, especially those that arrive in lumbering cargo jets. If units of the People's Liberation Army succeed at taking one or more urban areas, territorial defense units transition to form the backbone of a prolonged insurgency. End quote. These forces would, like their Ukrainian counterparts, make life a terrifying living hell for the invading forces. Now, the authors note that while this may or may not play a role in eventually defeating the invasion force, it would at the very least play a key role in flooding social media with the truth on the ground, inspire the world of citizen resistance, as is happening in Ukraine, and buy time for foreign forces to mobilize and come to Taiwan's aid. The authors are clear that it would be a massive, time-consuming, and expensive effort. But, as they note, quote, it will almost certainly be a bargain compared to some of the things Taiwan is already more than willing to pay for. Indeed, they point out, quote, there is no question that tens of thousands of trained volunteers will give Taiwan more deterrence bang for its buck than a few dozen M109 paladins 
or a handful of diesel submarines. The article is focused on the, quote, young men and women and their role in taking up arms. There is much more that can be and probably should be done to support such a plan. So why stop there? A territorial, a Taiwan territorial defense force would need considerable support from the civilian population to be effective. Armed civilians heroically fighting invaders unsurprisingly grab attention, but it is the basic logistics that will keep them fighting. No amount of courage and heroics makes up for a lack of food, water, and medical care. So with this in mind, a TTDF will need much more than just these trained, ready, and armed young men and women, as the article put it. Cadres or auxiliary units to handle a wide range of key tasks will also need to be ready to step in. So that will be the subject of the next show, and I'll go into considerable detail about what I propose above and beyond what was put in that War on the Rocks piece. So tune in next time. I'm Donovan Smith here in Taichung, Taiwan. Sean here. As you know, we've been on a little bit of a hiatus. It's been quite busy these days, but now we're kind of back. Things are going to look a little different because we are working on new processes to make it easier for us to produce episodes. So stay tuned, and thank you for your support. And don't forget, for more content like this, support us at report.tw.